Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Welcome back to Sacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Mr. Mr. Pappas on the board. How's that? How's that? A Mr. Mr.? Is that a good one? SP features up 35. Nancy features up 109. We're down yesterday. We came back to almost even on the close. Now we're up today. Uh, so we're... As uh, more people on TV talk about how the economy is going to recession, the uh, more the market wants to go up. So uh, that's the way that all works. Do we have Mr. O'Neill? Good morning. Yes, you do. How are you, bud? I am doing okay. You know, you can call him Mr. Pappas, but you can also go with, you know, what the... Uh, um, what the uh, the mothers in the neighborhood used to call him, they'd call him that that Pappas boy. Bingo, yeah. that Pappas boy, and usually with a whole tone troublemaker. That yeah. sort of yeah, the troublemaker tone. Yep, that's the one. Well, somebody has to be the one that you know gets all the other guys in trouble, and it's always his fault. Remember, guys. Uh, yeah, what was the too. guy's name uh, in in uh, Christmas Story? The <laughs> Schwartz or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was always a kid that got everybody in trouble. God, what? Uh, so we have a. Uh, very interesting, uh, you know, we'll kind of go through this, well, maybe I'd, I'd, I'd nauseam here, we'll go through this uh, banking thing, but I, um, Kevin, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where this is all, where this save came from. I mean, yesterday we went through um, some of the stuff that they did for the, uh, for the farm, you know, to put the money in, the, uh, in, the, in there for checking accounts and all that kind of stuff to make up for the stuff that was gone, you know, the people pulled out. Uh, yesterday, uh, remember the, the dude on TV was talking about how if they would if they would have let them, they would have taken out a hundred. They would have taken like all the deposits. But that's that, that's how many were coming down the line when they stopped it after forty billion or something. But there's there's a uh, uh, a group of people that uh, are believers in something. <laughs> just say or whatever. I mean, I I don't know, I don't know what that's all about. But um, let's just say it had a. Uh, but the the fact is they. The, the the part that's nobody's talking about, and you know, it's too early to tell how it imp- how it impacts uh, the money supply and those kinds of things. But essentially, I mean, we get the, let me get the real number here, and then we'll go through this the, the deal sweetening. Uh, is that the Fed had to put? Well, I'll just get the numbers, and, I'll, and everybody can in, in, imply on their own what they got to put or not put, but. Uh, we have uh, let me let me scrunch this down to one year if I can. Um, Two thousand and two thousand and two uh, twelve eighteen. We don't want to do that. Yeah, we do. Uh, we'll do one year. All right, so we do one year. We have the Fed has gone from a tip top of eight nine six five on their balance sheet. These are billions, right? So we're talking about trillion dollars. 
after they've been telling us for a year they're going to drop it every month, they have. To their word, to their credit, they've dropped this down to 8.339. Right, so that's roughly, um, if you do the math real quick, that's uh, $630 billion they've drained off the balance sheet as they're allegedly fighting inflation and raising interest rates, which is in, in keeping with raising the interest rates, meaning you, you, you suck money out of the pool, basically. Uh, which is, you know, and that's what they've been yeah, doing. Or you just suck. You know, or you, or you just suck. Well, now in the last two weeks, they've gone from this 8339. They had it two weeks ago. They had a bump of essentially $300 billion. The next week, another another one and a half. So they're back up to 8733. So they took out six and put back four. This is in two weeks. Now, one of the reasons, and I wish, actually, I wish I was longer in the market is that this money, what they do, just write a check and plunk it in the bank or in the in a deposit of the new place? And they must have, they must have paid the FDIC for, for or did, they did something. They gave the FDIC the $90 billion in, 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 a, in the capital they bought those other loans for or something. And, something, and this money just kind of went pouring in. Now how, how is this not going to be exactly against their inflation fight and how do you how do you raise interest rates when you when you pile four hundred billion dollars into the into the place in two weeks? I, I, I'm I'm incredulous. Yeah. So so here's the real question. The real question is, how are they going to spin it? Yeah. You know what's going to happen. So now, how are they going to try and tell the story? Is the fun part? Well, I mean, you just. I mean, it's, yeah. Tom, there's, there's, you know, th- this is one of those, you know, get out the popcorn and watch, you know, sit back and watch the movie because the, the, everything that's going to happen and everything that's already in the process of happening is inevitable, and and I don't know how you change that. I I don't know how we don't take a serious economic hit. I don't know how this can't, you know, wouldn't fuel an inflation. Uh, I, you know, there, there's just really not a way around this. Yeah, I, I, I have. There has to be a way to. Uh, first of all, in, in, in times have not been all that horrible. I mean, there's people that are, are draining out the bottom. We don't, we know that. If it depends on which part of the of the group you look at, you can look at the economic health of of your population, which is you know as a leader you might want to. But the uh, the guy Josh is on CNBC, and he say one thing about it. I don't always agree with him, but he speaks his mind. And yesterday he he was he was talking about. The market and, uh, and and the Fed actions, and he says, you know, he goes, eighty eighty nine percent or eighty seven percent of the, of the market wealth is owned by the top ten percent of the society, and actually, it's probably more like the top, that you know, it's probably the top one percent or the top ten percent of that ten percent, because it's it's not going to go down. I mean, whatever it is, because of the savings. I mean, there's been amazing change in 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 the, in the, in the the economic leadership of the world. In mean, the last time, the investments were or the inflation was this high. Your mom, my mom, could go into the bank and inflation was twelve percent, and they got fourteen percent in the bank. So they were covered. They got they got money plus. They didn't lose anything on the on the declining dollar, which is really what inflation is, because they made up for that at the bank. This time, none of that happened. So the, the money got poured into the the market, which has now become the opiate of really the people in society that mean something. The rest of us don't. Well, right. or, or or people with money and funds. So, yeah. you know, so it's... Now, and, and that can reach down into a, um, 
uh, you know, it, that that reaches down beyond one percent. So right. let, it, let's put it that way, and, and pretty far down. You well, know, but you have all things considered, but it doesn't it doesn't help the people who can't make ends meet in the first place. Well, but it also the the, the it is also driven through four hundred one k's and other things, and you know we manage some of those, so it's not like they're bad things; they're actually good things. We manage some of those, but they, they they've driven people outside the risk curve of, of what they they ought to be. I mean, there's people. That you know, I, I talk to constantly. I mean, you know, that's what I do for a living is to talk to people and manage people's money. Kevin, I've talked to people that uh, the last three weeks I've probably talked to five wealthy individuals. Not you know, not one percenters or anything like that, but people that have saved up money their whole life and have, they've get, and have some seven figure money. And uh, Kevin, they're in their eighties. The thought of being able to just have risk free money and, and stay with inflation. Is not even not even on the on the playing field. It's you know, everyone is in every every stock that they can find. I mean, they're, they're way out on a risk curve that you would never have guessed people would have been thirty years ago, forty years ago. I mean, I mean the thought of, of of my mother at age seventy having to take all her money out of the bank and throw it in some you know high tech mutual fund just to stay even with inflation. Kevin, that wasn't even on the... I mean, again, that's what I do for a living. and I do for people, and I try and do protected stuff for people. And I do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm actually pretty good at what I do. Uh, matter of fact, maybe real good at what I do. And But I mean, the, the idea that, that I have to go find some 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 way to to, to monitor somebody somebody's Apple or NVIDIA trades when they're 80-some years old because it's the only way they can hang in inflation. Kevin, that's nuts. Well, it, it is nuts, and it also is... Uh, I, I would say a function of um, the, the the idea that we've had such a wealth transfer, and, and especially in the last two years, um, such a wealth transfer. You know, you run out of places where you can st- where you can use other people's money. So, you know, so now we have a market where we can go reach down to people who otherwise would never have put money in a place, and and so we we need to borrow their money too. Well, it's not, and, it's not and, and, and look, selling stock is, is you know, that's borrowing as far as I'm concerned. It's, yeah. it's no different than a bond. It's, it's just a different profile, a different economic, uh, different instrument, but it's essentially the same thing. Well, and I, I think that, you know, people, I, there's, there's no question that my mother and your mother would have done way better in, in, uh, in August of 1982 when the when the CD rates were you know fourteen percent, there's no doubt that both of them would have been better off to go down the block after they they've maintained on inflation now for a decade by having their money in the bank and not losing. I guess if I could go back to that time and and you know somebody could spirit me back in time, I'd say, hey mom, of course she would never listen to me probably. I'd go down the block, get all your money out of these savings accounts, and by the way, we're going to put them in mutual funds in August of '82. When the market, you know, in the run with the rally, which is basically the lasted since then, started. I mean, it it would have been the proper play, the timing play, but she wouldn't have been comfortable doing that. You, you, I wouldn't have advised that for her. Maybe a little bit, you know, or something. But I mean, the the idea. Yeah, yeah. If you have some mad money to use, go yeah. ahead. But but I mean, yeah. I mean, I I knew at, at that time, even being a young trader, that when interest rates were fifteen percent. They probably couldn't go any higher. There was they were, they were only going to go one way, because if they went to like thirty, what were, what were we going to be? We were going to be Weimar Republic or you know uh, Argentina or someplace. I I didn't think we were going to go there. I, th- I thought at some point, but I was about a year and a half early. 
thinking, this can't be like this for very much longer. But it was. It was like another 18 months before August of 82 came along. And, we, and then we turned the other way. But uh, this is just, we, we keep throwing money at every, and somebody needs to get all these people in a room and say, if we just double the amount of money out there tomorrow, do we create any wealth? And the answer is no, Kevin. The answer is no. I mean, it, when, you, when you start from a, a, a failed, you know, I'm not saying that if, if I was in the Federal Reserve and some bank basically bleeped up like these guys did, would and, and people start pulling money out of the bank, which actually drops the money supply. That's what I'm saying. So you got to be careful on, on making a one-to-one. Uh, you guys are talking about when the S&P was like 250, though. Yeah, yeah. Now it's four thousand. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but no, no, you know that that's been one long string. That would have been that would have worked out pretty well. Well, but how many how many how many years did it take for the interest rates to go from fifteen percent to zero? Uh, it was it was 15, you know it's right. a couple of decades, but it, yeah. n- it never turned back. A couple times we had a little bit of a reversal, but it basically never turned back, did it? I mean, if, if you were to take a company that is valued at fifteen sixteen percent interest, a stream of payments is what I used to do in college. And say, okay, a company's worth X, and you say, how much the worth of interest rates are like half of one percent? The look on your face is well, like a hundred times. Not even close, right? If you do the math. That yes, that, and, and that's true, and which sort of leads us into stress tests. Yeah, well, yeah, and <laughs> and 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 that, because as it turns out, the. Uh, um, uh, who, who, who was it? I, I can't remember if they said it's the FDIC or uh, or the Federal Reserve. I think it was the Federal Reserve. They did the stress tests for all the banks. Nobody, they have not been running scenarios for rising interest rates. That's that's insanity. Yeah, they've been running every other scenario you can imagine. Um, you know, recession, things like They have not been running a, a stress tests for a rising interest rate. And now it's biting them in the butt. What? I mean, that's not insanity. That's incompetence. Uh, when, when you're when you're selling somebody thirty year bonds at what are the thirty year thirty year get down to? Um, I'll look for it here on the graph. But if you ever want to look at the, uh, the, the about a hundred dollars, I'm going Rain Man on you. Well, if you ever want to if ever want to look at the uh, the thirty year, it's a TYX. All right, so I'm going to go back here, uh, uh, which is which is three point seven. Let me go back. I go back for five years. Five years should do it. A, a. Uh, we we bottomed out at and then the thirty year at where the hell are we one point one point one seven for the thirty year really so when when you when you're selling people those bonds even our idiots idiots our, our connivers are not are not going to walk into your place and say Kevin buy my bonds at one point two percent. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you a stress test for for what happens if the interest rates go back to five. <laughs> how do you how do you do both? <laughs> yeah, that would be bad salesmanship. That would be it? real bad. That would be real bad. I, I, I pulled up one of the uh, compound interest calculators and put in a hundred dollars from uh, I want to say compounded at fourteen percent for thirty five years. Not so bad. No, you got about ninety eight hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a, that's a savior. Ninety eight hundred. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's that's assuming you were able to compound though at that fourteen. Which well, I mean, for from so, uh, so if you took it from uh, seventy seven to eighty two, you could right. So so if you just take it down from fourteen and say you average seven uh, percent over the course of those thirty same thirty five years or so, 
you know, that goes down to 1,000. <laughs> well, is it, what's the... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the power of compounding interest. Well, now that you got me going on this, what, what's, what's the rule of seven if it's... Rule of 72. No, what's this? If it's 7% interest, you double your money every 10 years or something? Right, the rule of 72. Okay. 72, where does the two come from? Benjamin Franklin. I know, what, when, <laughs> rule of, how do you get from 7 to 72? I don't know. I think that's what it, that's. Oh, that's what it's called? Closer, all right, yeah. all right, fair enough. The... Uh, yeah, it's just like the number 72. It could have could just I as well it. said 89. 72 divided by the interest rate. So if it was 14, you get about 5.1 or 5.2. Oh, all right. And then that's per double. Okay. So, But my point was, if you take it from the 14% that you were getting at the, uh, at the first, you know, the first few years, you would have close to $10,000 after 35 years. But if you drop it to the 7, because that's what it obviously is if you average it out, um, you you go from ten thousand to a uh, thousand sixty seven. No, it's, it's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's massive difference. What uh, are, are you a? Are you? Are, I assume you are. I mean, Greg obviously is a trader. He's he's helping us out on the board. Uh, are, are you a Fibonacci guy? Uh, I have not researched Fibonacci stuff. I kind of like the idea of the mathematician, but as it applies to trading, I have no idea. Uh, one of the guys who's come on the uh, remember remember Kevin. Kevin Reardon, Kevin O'Neill? Sure, yeah. I mean, Kevin was a big Fibonacci guy. He was a, he was a chart dude. And But Fibonacci is, uh, the, 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 he was, he, he's really into the, what's this, it's like the two-thirds number, right? Kevin, like every, everything in nature, if it makes a move oh, this way, like comes fractals? back to, everything wants to come back, like if you, if you see a day where you're down uh, 100 spoo points and the next day you come back 66. Cool. That's called a Fibonacci replacement. I never took the courses, but... I learned a little bit from Kevin. You know, learned enough to be dangerous, but that's the number you're always looking to come back. That, that's the key number. If you go, if you go through that, then it means it's a real bounce back. I'm still trying to work on. Uh, still trying to work on these past twenty years, going back to the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm still, I'm still fooling around with order of operations. Well, so it, leave, it has leave me alone. Well, it has to do with just something. He used to observe stuff in nature that two thirds is always the, the bounce back to things. I, I don't know. But I remember right. guys, so it's yeah. it's a hypothesis basically yeah. that that seems seems to apply probably hasn't been uh, thoroughly tested. But um, you know the 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 other part of this uh, conversation is then how can we use uh, Fibonacci as a name for a rock band or a racehorse or something like that? I bet he's been a racehorse a couple of times. Uh, Maybe that that would be a good one. Yeah, but the name of a softball team, the Fibonacci's. Name of softball team, yeah. Well, you'd have to be Italian. Otherwise, they'd wonder what what the hell you had. How about Fibonacci and the put sellers? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I like it. We're playing their new hit. (laughs) But you know, I think we've we've been dancing around Kevin for a a long time, and obviously Hale was all over this yesterday. That 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 the Fed is the age the the engine that's that's pulling the society apart economically. And I don't. The question is, I mean, as I as I've gotten. I'll say more mature. I used to think that they would just go for a policy. When I say they, uh, the Fed and, and economic policy from government. I used to think that they would they would go and try and fix whatever was wrong and 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 whatever the the, the side effects are. Uh, collateral damage, as your buddy Rumsfeld used to say, uh, just was collateral damage. It just was that. And now I'm absolutely convinced that that is not the case. I'm absolutely convinced that there's there's policy behind everything they do, and everything they do, the 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 thing that is calculated, the people that end up, you know, basically the, the part goes over the fence last, as my grandmother used to say, 
I think it's it's all contrived. I think I think Volker, if I could yank his ass out of the grave and ask him, uh, he would tell me that he was he was influenced to put the savings and loans out of business on purpose because banks wanted that business and they wanted they didn't want any savings and loans. The savings and loans were trying to become. Remember, savings and loans were actually trying to get demand deposits, and they were they were oh, making yeah. they were making yeah, now now it counts. Yeah, basically, they, they got they, they were but they were trying to become essentially banks. And oh yeah, were, every 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 um, thrift wanted to have a commercial bank balance sheet. That was what they always talked about. Heck, I worked for one for well, it wasn't was a deal. There was a deal of for those people though, uh, the savings and loan uh, used to not be able to have demand deposits, which is essentially a checking account. So your your even though your savings account, you could go in and get the money anytime you wanted to on a, on a reality basis. In in truth, uh, it was not. They they could put what a ninety day hold, sixty day hold on it, Kevin or something. Yeah, you could put a hold on it. The, yeah, the, I mean the the legacy is of course that um, savings and loans were the mortgage engine of the country. So um, you know, and and because mortgages tended to be very long term, fifteen years, thirty years, whatever. Um, the uh, the funding source for those needed to be uh, longer term deposits, less volatile, you know, stuff that was less volatile, more predictable, so they could manage their gaps. Now they weren't right, they weren't giving out a lot of thirty year CDs, but they were doing a lot of five year CDs, seven year CDs, as well as savings accounts that you know were they, where you generally could go in with your passbook and you could withdraw money, but typic but legally they had a right to hold that money for. Uh, um, a certain period of time, and I don't remember what it was. I thought it was sixty or so ninety days. It, it might have been. Um, I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I just don't know. Uh, so, um, so you know, that was how they were built. That was how that whole industry was built. And that when and over time, especially as we got things like Fannie and Freddie, and people started laying off all of their uh, um, long-term assets. Uh, and, and selling them off to people and only managing them and getting servicing fees. Uh, from a funding standpoint, uh, they wanted to get into have the same funding advantages that the banks did, and that got them into now accounts. So they, the only, you know, th- this started as as a lawsuit. I think it was in New England, might have been New Hampshire or Massachusetts or someplace. One. Um, uh, one SNL just decided we're going to offer something. We're going to call it a now account, which is a negotiable order of withdrawal, and uh, and so it's not really a checking account. And there was a big, you know, a lot of lawsuits and things like that. And finally, the regulators just relented and said, "Okay, you can have them." Well, they also, uh, I believe, the assets it'd be eighty-five percent mortgages, right? Uh, there, there was a number, but yes, it, they, they, that, I mean, that was their purpose. That yeah. was their reason for being was to, was to make mortgages. But when the industry changed to the point where you weren't going to hold the mortgages anymore, then uh, you know it, it sort of changed the game. And um, and so the SNLs tried to change it. There were different charters, all of that. At some point, it really did not make any sense to call one a bank and one a savings and loan. Um, well, I bought. A, I had a mortgage. Yeah, it was 1985-ish in, a, in Beverly, and I bought my house down there, at a, and I got it from some savings and loan, and it switched two or three times, Kevin, but it, it always stuck, it always was with a savings and loan. I mean, yeah, we, they did the servicing, so they, you know, they handled the payments, they handled the collections, and then, you know, every month there would be a settlement between the, uh, uh, them and, the, and whoever bought those, that batch of loans. Now, I think they, uh, 
the place I, I got the mortgage from immediately got taken over by another savings loan. It got taken over by another savings loan. There were all kinds of them around. I don't think I don't think my mortgage ever left the savings and loan community. It, it might not have, um, and, and there were certainly a lot of uh, a lot of those playing that investor role. Um, it, it you know that it was just again it was it was an evolving industry. Things were changing, and uh, uh, and it, you know like. Like everything else, it happens step by step. Most stuff doesn't happen all at once in in, in one big bang. Uh, you know, you you might get that that big bang at some point, which we did in the late eighties. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's gradually and then suddenly, like most things. Well, the funny part is is there are people, but if you set everybody down at a table and provided coffee and or alcohol, uh, there, there's a simplicity to it that that it's pretty hard to argue with. Okay, the, the idea is okay. People in Evergreen Park, Oakland, have a savings and loan. People there put their money in there. By the way, almost all the money is going out to mortgages in Evergreen Park, Oakland, where people know how to value the community, know how to value the houses. The appraisals are usually pretty good because they're they're dealing with it day by day. There's a certain simplicity to it where your money stays close. Uh, basically, it is in your neighbor's house. It's almost like you know the movie Bailey's Billion Loan. And then, but that the people in Chicago, the economists were horrified of this. Oh my God! If, if this this risk should be spread around, this risk should be, be a lot more efficient. If all of a sudden these mortgages were just auctioned off and to the highest bidder and blah blah blah. And, and from an economic theory standpoint, I think they were probably absolutely right, Kevin. But in reality, I think I think they I think they sucked. <laughs> I mean, there's, well, there was a theory, and and, and, the, and they injected a quasi-government agency into the middle of it. Yeah. Um, which meant we were going to have people who screwed things up. And, and also you have a situation where if you mess with your interest rates, I mean, it was 3% for the passbook and 6% for the mortgage for, what, three decades? And all of a sudden the interest rate goes to 14. Well, you got a lot of problems with a 6% mortgage. But they didn't do that. I mean, the government did that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean it's, anyway, S&P futures up 32 and S&P futures up 104. By the way, Lululemon last night's up like 51 bucks, 16%, and... and and athletic clothes? I mean, really? Uh, but anyway, it's up 51 bucks. Be right back, Stacks and Jack. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg and Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 33, Nasdaq Futures up uh, 108. Uh, we have, uh, well, let's see what's going on in the rest of the world. I'm looking at the Lululemon uh, earnings here, and I got, I think I got them at four at uh, 440 a share or something. So that's 16 bucks. So that's 20 sometimes earnings. I mean, I, uh, it's kind of a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll see on that. But uh, obviously, I guess what I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not uh, making any sort of a uh, decision at all as to whether Lululemon is a buyer or sell here, but what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say, and we'll get Kevin's opinion after Traffic Brothers Sports, is that there is there Lululemon maybe deserved a rally. The strength of the rally is is influenced, in my opinion, by the 600 uh, billion dollars the Fed put in, in the system in the last two weeks. There's money, there's money floating, there's money looking for for a home, and that's and that's what happens. I mean, I'm not saying. It's hard to put a number on it, but that is that is the number. Uh, so we have that stock is up a bunch. Other stock, Home Depot is up 118. We got Boeing up 235. There's nothing in the in the Dow showing red. Uh, Dow futures up 238 over in Europe. We have the uh, we also have rates down just a little bit. Uh, DAX up 127.8. FTSE up 56.8. CAC around up 82, 1.1. So the CAC around is leading the, the charge over there. Over in Asia, the Nikkei is up 365, 1.3 percent. Hang Seng up 407, back up over 20,000. These guys are seemingly like at least a point, point, uh, percent, percent and a half like every day. This is 2% one way or the other. I mean, it's, I don't know what it would be like to trade that thing. Shanghai is actually down five points, uh, 3240, that's 0.1%. It's kind of an outlier there. I wouldn't worry too much about that one. Yesterday, Dow closed down 37, S&P down six, NASDAQ down 52, but 
If we'd have stayed open another half hour, they'd have been up. We were, we were creeping up on the close. Uh, bonds, 10-year unchanged, 3.56. The Bund up 1, 2.29. Japan unchanged at 0.32. We've got oil, which has been rallying. It's still rallying. These guys have gone from 67 to, like, today we're 73.94. That's up 74 cents, another percent. So they're up damn near 8 or 9% in the last week and a half. It's a lot. Rent up 62 cents at 79.27. Natural gas down 3 cents, one ni- uh, under 2 bucks. And those getting their, their their gas bills, especially in North Shore here, uh, I think are paying a lot more than that for that gas. Uh, gold down 560, but still 1984, the big run up yesterday. Silver down 2 cents, 23.40. Copper up 3 cents, 441. We've got Bitcoin 996 back up over 28,000, 28,342. We have the US dollar, which has been falling, it is falling again today. Uh, it's down just a little bit, uh, but still, the euro is now 108.6. And, uh, and the British pound is 123, almost 124, which is highest we've seen in like really quite a while. A lot of stuff there. Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Good morning, Chief. Morning, everyone. 636, March 29th. 40 degrees here in Chicago, mostly cloudy with a high of 51. Some possible rain after 430 here. Phoenix weather is 52 with clear skies, about a four mile breeze, four mile per hour breeze, high of 80 later today. Traffic, we got inbound Kennedy from about O'Hare to to 290, the interchange, about 32 minutes right now. Inbound Kennedy from O'Hare to Montrose is 18 minutes. Outbound is fairly clear. Inbound Edens from Dempster to I-290, 26 minutes. Inbound Edens from Dempster to Montrose, about 12 minutes. Dan Ryan, inbound Dan Ryan from 95th to I-290, 16, 16 minutes. And then the Stevenson, we've got inbound Stevenson from 355 to the Dan Ryan, about 26 minutes. And the outbound uh, Stevenson from the Dan Ryan to I-355, about 29 minutes. Uh, Sports, NBA, both the Suns and the Bulls were off. NHL, the Blackhawks lost at home to the Stars, 1-4. MLB, the White Sox lost to the Cubs. Uh, That was in Mesa. They lost 5-8. And the Diamondbacks beat the Guardians 3-1. We've got opening day coming up, and that's it. Back to you, Chief. We, uh, I'm reading this headline here today. This this is not a good one. Saudi Arabia takes step to join China-led security bloc as ties with Beijing strengthen. Um, aren't we still floating these guys, Kevin? They, we, when we don't even, when they buy our T-bills, we don't even acknowledge that they bought them or are in a separate balance sheet. And so they have all kinds of advantages here. Uh, what are we doing? Do we have any idea what we're doing? No. <laughs> Don't you remember we were going to restore our position in the world uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, it seems to be eroding. Um, yeah. You know, who's, who is out there, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether it's going to go anywhere, who is out there even making peace proposals with the uh, uh, Russian-Ukraine uh, Ukraine conflict? Well, we... Uh, not even, it's coming China. from the Chinese. Yeah, yeah we... Uh, you know, it doesn't mean it's a good one, and it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But what it does, you know, what it does mean is somebody is taking some initiative there, and we look like idiots because we're not. I know. I don't. I don't quite get the uh, the the amazing amount of infighting we got going on here. Is really, and and the, and the and the fact I think that we constantly have to service a few people, and we I think we've let uh, it's it's exactly like. I, 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 gotta, I, I need to buy the book again. Fun be, fact, guys. Uh, yeah. Japan has more U.S. debt than China. Oh, yeah. China's dropped way down. Yeah. They used to be, used to be number one. Now they're not. Now they're, Japan uh, has 
<laughs> Japan has uh, 20 So you're saying there. demand for U.S. debt has eroded? Um, Saudi's still got a bunch. Um, I, I think, think the, the risk, or not the risk, the leaders right now are probably Japan, China, and then maybe U.K. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what I'm getting at, though, is if nobody's going to take on the debt, and we have how many trillion? You know, 30 trillion yeah. in, in, in debt, and nobody wants to buy it. What's going to happen? What kind of interest rate are they going to have to put on these things to get people to take it? Well, that's exactly right, and I, and I, I don't, I don't see how you can you can be strong militarily and ethically if you're not strong financially, and 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 we're just not. And I don't. The uh, now Apple's coming out with this uh, this new this new this new spiel of uh, what is it? Uh, pay, pay, Apple pay later. More ways to get more people. Oh, more good. Pe- oh, good. Yeah, more people and more people in debt. I mean, uh, we tried tried to buy some lunch from uh, there's this joint down the block. It's a chicken place. So yesterday we didn't have any lunch going. So my nephew goes, I'll go over to the chicken place, see what they got. You got to order your stuff at a kiosk. Well, I bet you they had chicken. Well, uh, he says it wasn't visible. You got to order your. It's a tiny little place. You got to order your stuff at a carousel, pay by credit card before they'll even start cooking it. Okay. I mean, uh, I, uh, I we, we need we need. To turn this bus around here, Kevin, we need to we need to get our fiscal house in order, and we need to start uh, some fairness in taxation. We need we need to do a lot of things, and uh, I don't I don't understand why there's because it appears the multinationals have done just what Harold Janine wanted to do at ITT 50 years ago. Uh, that, that governments have become just you know people in the way. We've got to stop that. We need. Where, where, where can we find a leader that's strong enough to understand all this stuff is happening and somehow put a stop to it? Well, it's a, it's a leader that can do that, but it's also somebody who can build the consensus that right. we need to put a stop to it. Because whatever we do to get back on a path here, let's, let's just say we, that there was, there was a will to do that, which I don't think there is. Um, but if, if there were a will uh, to put us on a path uh, to getting the budget in order and uh, you know and and, and, and basically uh, you know working our way through the deficit, it's going to have to outlast several presidents' administrations. Right. So we can't just keep lurching back and forth. And I don't know how you know how do you do that uh, unless unless you get you know enough people in Congress to agree and you put together some rock solid legislation that is going to be darn near impossible to override in the next Congress uh, you do that but we you know how many times have we lamented I was sitting and talking to a couple of colleagues yesterday and we were lamenting the lack of economic understanding of the general population so without that understanding how do you get the popular support that's going to force politicians to do it to keep their just so they can keep their jobs you're not I mean, well, how, how did we manage? You know, we, we've pretty much done everything wrong over the decades to make sure that we are in the spot that we are now, what? or everything right to ensure that we're in the spot, depending on what you believe. Well, how did how did we manage to, after World War II, we had uh, Truman, uh, and we had we have a lot of music coming from someplace. Uh, the uh, you need a hero, guys. Oh God. <laughs> And that's probably what we do. All right, but but how do we bad music? Nicely done. But how do we manage to go from Truman to Eisenhower to Kennedy, and and still really up to Reagan, 
with the, without with the same sort of policy toward Russia and the Cold War. I mean, that actually ended up working. I think. I mean, uh, the idea that we never never actually was a nuclear war, or never was a conventional war, and somehow came you know, close, came closer than we ever knew once. Yeah, but I'm saying it, the fact is it it didn't happen. So the policy, but I mean, you didn't get. The minute Truman was out, Eisenhower came in, ah, I'm doing it totally different. And then as soon as Kennedy comes in, well, this Eisenhower's an idiot, I'm doing it totally different. And somehow or another, we, had, we, had con- we the, the, the country, had some sort of consensus that even though this wasn't the best of worlds, having this, this, this standoff, uh, it was better than a war. And we just had to maintain it and, 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 you know, had to, and keep trying to you know, edge around this, do some trade, do some stuff, trying to improve it. Gradually, there was there was a consensus on that, Kevin. Like you're saying, through what five presidents? I mean, yep. I mean, if the guy didn't campaign, I mean, Kennedy didn't campaign against Nixon, saying, "I'm I'm turning this whole bus around." I feel like fighting these guys or something. I mean, it, that you didn't do that. I mean, that, that that wasn't even part of the campaign, was it? The Nixon Kennedy thing. I mean, I I don't think it was. I mean, uh, no, it, actually, the the. Accusations at the time were that uh, Kennedy would be too soft um, on on the communists. If I, I mean that's that's what I remember reading. I was well. That's uh, always been about, a- about five years old at the time. But um, but that, that's how I remember. But that was accusation. I think that was just politicking. Yeah, but I, but I mean, but, but also you know Kennedy was sensitive to that and 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 overcoming that perception became part of his decision making process. Well, that's that's true. But the weird part is 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 actually, Kennedy and Nixon were good friends. Under, I mean, which which would, we would never happen today. I mean, some of the stuff that you know, I'm, I'm, people are sending me. I love it when the listeners send me. They actually, when they both were like freshman senators, there was a debate in Ohio uh, that were you were supposed to send one of your up and coming senators, both parties. So they were, the Democrats sent Kennedy and the Republicans sent Nixon. So they came to Ohio and they were in this, uh, went to some town and, uh, you know, debated each other and both evidently did very well in the debate. They, they shared, a, they shared a, a sleeper in a train on the way back to Washington. They were that good of buddies. You know, I mean, Kennedy said if he, if he wasn't running against them, he would have voted for Nixon. There, were, there was no animosity there, nothing like now. When they, they were from different parties, it was a different, you know, there was a campaign, different, different directions they both thought we might want to go, but there was, no, there was no personal animosity there, and it showed. And yeah, I, and, and just to, to add to that, I don't know, we could probably trace it back to when it started, but doesn't there get to be a point where the blame is not the important part anymore? Uh, you would um, think. You would think. Um, so, and look, we we see that all the time. You know, the the um, you know, uh, Buttigieg got a lot of criticism for uh, you know for the uh, you know, response to the uh, the chemical spill in Ohio, and you can you can argue whether they should have done anything. We know that that the railroad was the one ultimately responsible for it, but the two things that uh, that happened that uh, you know to me show extremely poor leadership as the first instinct was to blame the Trump administration and rollback of regulations and the second in, and and there was no instinct to just show up to get there because it's kind of the throw up your hands and say 
um, well, what am I supposed to do? Um, you know, you know what? Yeah, show up. It, it's sort of, you know, heck, I'll give you just a, a different stuff. I'm not, you know, when I was an, an IT director, I, I, I was not, a, a, you know, my, my technical skills are kind of stuck in the 1980s. I've been in management since the 1980s. So, uh, you know, I was not going to be able to sit there and help the network guys, you know, diagnose and fix network issues or anything like that. But if they were going to be there, I was going to be there. It, you know, if if there was a contribution I could make, it was probably buying them food. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's it. And and that's the thing that Buttigieg didn't understand. I don't think Biden really understands it. It, it is the one thing that Trump did. He showed up at that site and bought people cheeseburgers. Well, you know what? It, I mean, it, it's, that that's a good instinct of... Uh, you know, for for what to do, because sometimes that's all you have to do. We just don't have, we don't have effective leaders. And so how are you going to drive any kind of problem solving when, you know, when really uh, politics has turned into a food fight instead of uh, a leadership test? Well, there's two... There's, there's and, and I'm and I'm not telling you Trump's a great leader because no. he's not. Um, he, is, he is clearly not. What I am saying, though, is that... Um, uh, that in that instance he showed a good instinct um, for uh, for what to do that I you know that I you don't see very often anymore. Well, I think that the uh, we have a real I don't, I don't know some combination, Kevin, of everybody's an expert. Everybody has somehow a, a, a forum now with Twitter and other stuff. Well, the way Elon Musk is messing with Twitter, that might not be around very long. But I the you know, the, the 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 Karens of the world, male and female, but there but there are there's two different ways of uh, of looking at stuff. I mean, you look at okay, the, the train derailment is a is a good uh, example. First of all, the, the and, and eighty some percentage of the people, I'm not going to say just the Elizabeth Warren crowd, maybe the Buddha Judge crowd. There's this constant reaction: if we were just watching these guys closer, if if we the government just had every time somebody screws a bolt into a bridge, we need a guy there watching him, you know, and making sure that he does it right. Well, you know what, Kevin, you can't build stuff that way. You, well, you, you can't, and I think the instinct know. is actually, let's make a law yeah, or even worse, requires yeah. them to do it right. Yeah, let's make a law. Ha- and then we won't watch them. The fact is, trains derail all the time. Now, the question is, on a, on a main line, how the hell, if you have a system where, like Carl talked about, you by the way, it was a, was a sloppy way of doing it, but what the caboosemen used to do, the caboosemen's real job, well, he used to you know, bring cars onto the end of the train, that was part of it, but he basically was supposed to watch the other train that goes by on the other track when you have two tracks and make sure there were no hot boxes, which means uh, uh, wheel and axle pieces that are overheating, which if they overheat can cause a derailment, which is what happened here. So now all of a sudden this thing is derailing. The idea that some firm, uh, Norfolk and Southern or United Airlines, a crash is a good thing. No, it's not. It's horrible for business. If, if, there, if there was no government at all, nobody would want their trains to delay, de- derail. Nobody would want their plane to fall out of the sky because nobody's going to fly them. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a certain balance. You, you, can't, you don't want, if there, if there was an up-and-coming airline that went out and bought a bunch of old planes and now started charging half as much as United, there needs to be some sort of a base of maintenance that everybody has to adhere to because that shouldn't become part of the competitive thing. But I, now the question is, what happened in Norfolk and Southern where this 
this thing was, you know, 80 degrees, then it was 120 degrees, then it got to 220, and it kept going. Is there, did the, the engineer say, what's the difference? You know, I, I got a date tonight, let's go, or did it go up the chain, or was there no communication? That's a Norfolk and Southern or, issue. Or is know. there just constant pressure? There wasn't a real-time decision made, but the pressure is, don't stop the damn thing. Right. Well, and it, so there's there's a fear of uh, of making the right decision because you could get in trouble if if we really you know because somebody's going to say why did you stop? Well, I stopped because I didn't you know I, I want to take care of this situation. I didn't want to derail. Well, did you derail? No. Well, then why'd you stop? You yeah. know, and and you start beating people up for that. Whereas again, you know, the, the good leadership is that you talk to people about how you go about making decisions you build some consensus about how that's going to work and then you let people make their decisions and you know what i always told my teams is if i'm you know if you need me let me know if i'm not available make a call yeah. don't let something fester make a decision if i disagree with it i pro i promise not to beat you up because i just told you to make a call <laughs> i'm not going to do that we I, if i disagree we may discuss it but it's not going to be a performance issue of any kind that's how you do it but this you know there is a certain amount of evidence here that would suggest either the people in uh, who were supposed to make the decision were incompetent or they were afraid to make the decision well it, it comes down to I mean, it, i'll give you a, a, a actually a railroad example kevin just just out of the blue talk about stuff that happens to me and people i run into i uh i was looking for an old truck so i actually went out to a place called vernal utah of all places uh, which actually is the the dinosaur capital of the u.s did you know that i did not know that i'll have to get there now yeah it's, it's pretty interesting so i fly out to vernal utah and uh i buy Do they have is that where the equinox uh, starts uh, boy, I don't know. <laughs> but they, they, uh, they, um, so I buy this old Dodge Ram Charger, right? So I'm driving home. So I stop and ski for a couple of days with my lawyer buddy out in Steamboat. And I realized even at that age, my, my, my window between warmed up and worn out was pretty narrow. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm driving back and I get to Ogallala, Nebraska and I pull into this place and I'm sitting at the bar, you know, having a sandwich. And of course, the lady, she, she was digging me. She goes, uh, she goes, we don't serve, we're not serving food. And I go, really? It's 9 o'clock, and I've just driven like God knows how many miles. She goes, that's okay. I'll go to the back room. She makes me this really nice ham sandwich. Doesn't even charge me, right? So anyway, so this guy's sitting next to me playing with these machines. And I'm looking at the dude, and I'm thinking, what is this guy? Is that like? what the kids are calling it today, huh? Well, but, well he's got, you know, they actually paid out. You know, one of those bar machines that pays out. Some, some yeah, states have. whoosh, right over I'm sorry, yeah, Tom, yeah, you yeah. missed it. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't miss it. But the, so, so the guy... He's, he's built like like whatever. So I go, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm on I'm on a track gang for uh, Union Pacific, which you know goes right through all Ogallala. And I had noticed Kevin that I was driving along these headlights. I would see were I thought they were on the road. They're actually on the train tracks right next to I-80. There was a train seemingly like you know whatever, pretty evenly spaced. So I start talking to this guy. And now well, he started out as a track guy, and now of course he was a supervisor, and he was in charge of 75 miles of track. Now, they had, it was their job to make sure that track was 100% fine for the trains. He goes, we're averaging a train every 15 minutes, and I, which I would have guessed sort of that, but just by watching them go by. And he goes, every train goes exactly 55 miles an hour because you don't want to gain on the one ahead of you or to lose the one behind you. He says, at a point now where if you have a siding along the tracks, we have so many trains. This is when they had all the, the, the uh, unit trains for coal and they're pulling oil out of whatever. 
And he goes, you can't, we can't even stop a train so you can put your car on there because it can't get started up again before the one behind it runs into it. It's that close. So obviously, Kevin, there's this, there's this massive push to not stop a train, okay, because there's another one right behind it. He said, but the, and he's, it, it wasn't like he was anticipating. He's explaining to me, you know, because we did have a derailment. And, you know, one nobody knew about it in the middle of nowhere. He said it took us 24 hours. There's people called re-railers. They come out with this heavy equipment and re-rail the stuff if they can. If not, they haul the car away some other way and fix the track and off you go. But you, you can just tell that if, 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 you, if you can, you want to keep the train rolling, at least to a siding, to a safe spot, so, they, so you don't imp- impact the people behind him. But also, if you screw up and you do derail, the consequences, even if there's that hazardous stuff and everything, the consequences for the railroad, where you now have, what's 15 minutes times two days, how many trains are backed up? For God's sake, what does that look like? And, and what does that do to your delivery? The consequ- So there, there's massive consequences on both sides. And you would think when people sort of explain this, it's, it's not that simple. <laughs> but obviously, you, you, you do not want a derailment, okay? And, but but what the smart thing to, what probably would have been, hey, slow that train down to 10 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour, and when you go by the next thing, if it's still heating up, we got to stop it, or something along those lines. Would have, would have probably been the correct call, correct? I mean, I would think. Well, yeah, and the, the thing is, you know, who can, who can stop? This is, this is the old, you know, the, the original example, Toyota and, and their production lines at, at their big factory in Japan. This was like 1980s stuff. And people were just astonished by the notion that you could, that, that somebody could actually stop the line. Everybody had a little, you know, like police light on the, uh, 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 at their stations, and if you had something coming in that was poor quality, you'd stop the line. You stop the presses right there, and and we we figure it out and fix it. Does that have some short term pain? Yeah, we did get production out today, but the long term benefit, of course, is that you uh, you actually get the problem fixed, and you don't have to deal with it anymore. Well, I mean, that's that's what we were, you were just discussing, though, the same kind of mindset that says, no, sorry, we can't stop it. So you, so you, you live a life of workarounds instead of a life of, uh, uh, of solving problems and getting the root causes. And you can tell I'm gearing up for my quality seminar yeah, that I'm doing it. for a local company today. <laughs> Well, I guess what I'm saying is... Um, so, and yesterday yeah. yesterday morning, it was leadership uh, training for leadership development for a, a, a credit union in Indiana. So you're getting all my topics today. You're getting me while I'm all warmed up. Well, I mean, the, 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 the cost of a derailment is so dramatically higher than stopping the train or slowing down that you really, even though slowing down or stopping has a cost as well, it's nowhere near the cost of, of what these guys are going through now. So some, somebody has to have some sort of training in that, and that training just a certain amount of common sense to say, okay, what's the, the, the heat has gone up this much. Let's go up from 55 miles an hour if that's a 55 zone. Uh, let's go down to 20, and let's see what the next one looks like. So if it's still going up, we've got to stop it. I mean, that, 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 that to me would have been the proper thing to do. Uh, but, you know, that's me. And obviously that didn't happen. Or, or slowing it down didn't help. Maybe it did slow down and the thing blew up anyway. But, but you're, if, you, if you derail at 10 miles an hour, it's not the same as derailing at 50. You're not going to get all that. Plus, it's if you knew not. you had hazardous stuff, 
then 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 it's even more of a of a deal, right? You should know what's on it. Yeah. So you know what what you're seeing though is, uh, and and this is just you know it's it's evidence of bad management. You know, I'm not I'm not close enough to the situation to say definitively that's it, but in in each of these cases, you're you're just seeing evidence of really poor management. And as I always tell my students, there are two things in the world that offend me terribly. One of them is bad management, and one of them is bad baseball. And we will talk about baseball on Friday. Yes, because I have a. I have a a guy from that a guy the Core Digest, and there's people there, Kevin. I don't know; they must not have a life, uh, but they're very good at research. The question was, who are the best uh, arm ever in baseball? And uh, everybody, of course, has their their favorites, people they've seen and so forth, and people they've heard of. You know, anecdotally, this guy did so much research on this, Kevin. I can't believe it. And we'll I'll, I'll say who the winner was on Friday. Um, best arm in baseball ever? Uh, best arm in baseball ever in terms of actually throwing people out, people not advancing from first to third, not advancing from second. I'm third. going Clemente on that one. Um, I'm, he, I may be wrong, but I'm going with Clemente. Let me just say you are wrong, but he's up there. Not surprised. But then again, if you take the anecdotal evidence, when Roberto Clemente played on the Puerto Rican national team, there was some some kind of spring training thing like they did this year, it might have been, you know, Mexico, whatever it was, something like this, only I don't think Japan was in it. Uh, Clemente was, had, had to play left field because some other guy from Puerto Rico had a way better arm than he did. But since he never made it to the major leagues, he wasn't being counted. But Clemente had to give up his spot for this guy because he had a way better arm. I can't even imagine that, but, but evidently that was the, uh, that was the story. Um, S&P Futures up 32, NASDAQ Futures up 109. Uh, so we'll talk to you on Friday, bud. We'll be right back. Stop Sounds good. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg on the board. SP Futures up 33. NZF Futures up 118. If you got any Lululemon tights in your in your closet, you're a rich person. The stock's up 55 bucks after their earnings. They're pushing through to 20-sometimes earnings. Russell, do you have a, a clue as to what that where that song came from? Oh, I know. isn't that the Odd Couple? No. <clears throat> oh, I thought it was. I thought it was the theme to the Odd Couple. Oh, well. And I, I was getting ready to say, am I Felix? No, that's the scene. Well, you'd rather be this guy. That was his theme from Bullet, the movie. Oh, okay. Remember that? Remember that? We're talking about a couple of memorable scenes no. in there, eh? Yeah. But, no, uh, that that was just a little bit before my time. Uh, you've never seen it? I don't think I've ever seen. Oh it, God, it's, a, it's it's classic. I have a lot of I have a lot of downtime these days, so I'll uh I, I'll put that on the uh, YouTube list. It was uh, Steve that? Steve McQueen at his best and uh, Jacqueline Bisset at her best, <laughs> which was pretty good. And it was also yeah. also one of the first movies that was uh, who the hell was in it? Uh, oh God, who's Tom Hagen in the Godfather? What's his name? Uh, the most amazing actor. Um, oh my God, we're both picturing him. Oh God. Greg helped us. We're both picture him. Uh, Tom. Yeah, Tom Hagen. Yeah. Took uh, him off the street. He was also in, he was in Apocalypse Now too, right? Wasn't he the? Yeah. Oh yeah, Greg got to help us. This is so, terrible. This, this is, terrible. is embarrassing. Um, hey, I did. I, I, I see. I see your name right here. So Credit Suisse is now. Ple- they, somebody has told the Senate Finance Committee, uh, Robert Duvall. Yeah. He was the cab driver, in the in the. Uh, yeah. But the, the greatest chase scene, still probably ever, that maybe the one in French Connection, but what did that do for Mustangs, the fact that he drove a Mustang in that chase scene, Steve McQueen? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, think, I think Ford paid a bunch for the Mustang to be the... the uh, oh, I'm sure they did. And uh, So anyway, Credit Suisse here is now telling a, fin- a finance committee, even though they had a uh, 2014 guilty plea for knowing and willfully helping U.S. clients hide offshore air sources, Assets and income from the IRS. It says they. Somebody says they're still doing it, and they said one of these professor guys, is Russell Rhodes, is number one on the list. Is that true? No, I had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. I, I long long ago I started burying my money out in, out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere in gold bars. I would think you'd be a Liechtenstein guy, not, not a not a Swiss guy anyway. No, 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 no. Caymans. Caymans. Yeah. I'd, 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 if I had that kind of dough, I'd, I'd go over to Liechtenstein just because I always wanted to visit. Oh, just to say you've been there? Yeah, but I could drop some. 
Can you can you drop you know twenty five bucks in five different banks, or do they do they peeve you out the front door? Oh, I'm sure they. Too, I'm sure they want a lot more than that. I would think. They, I would think they. Yeah. What was the? Uh, what was the? Uh, the account and. Uh, Fun fact: Caymans the, has uh, more U.S. Treasury than Saudi Arabia. Well, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so, oh, and by the way, yeah, I knew there. I'm glad you glad you threw that in there because, um, yeah, I think China is running out of money. They you know, uh, they lent they lent money they lent money all over the world for for you know Belt and Road Initiative stuff and and the the reason I bring that up is you guys mentioned that yeah. Japan has more U.S. debt than China does um, you know I think I think China you know when all you're doing is testing your people and you're not making any money you got to sell stuff to to keep the country going but beyond that they you know they. Uh, did this Belt and Road thing where they would lend money to countries. They'd build a cool port or something like that. Countries couldn't pay it back, so the Chinese took over the port. That's great and all. You know, now they have a port. But, um, you know, it, it, it'd be great if I had seven houses around, you know, seven $10 million houses around the world, but I'm not going to be able to maintain them if I don't have any other cash. And and I feel like, I feel like China's falling into this... Um, this void where they threw all their money around, and I, my understanding is they they like approached some African countries about, hey, you know we you know we lent you all this money to build roads and everything, and the African countries are just laughing their butts off at the Chinese about paying them back. Like, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, maybe maybe they will do something kind of violent, but I, I think when I when I heard you guys say that. China now has less U.S. debt than Japan. I don't think it's because they don't like us anymore. I think it's just because they don't—they're they're just not a cash-generating machine anymore. I think you're probably right on that. I, why is it? Well, we could go into this for a and, and I got another—and I got another theory on the price of gold that's geopolitics too. I think Russia, to fund some of their war effort, was um, you know having to sell gold, but now they're probably working out deals where they're. With a well, not necessarily well, probably with Iran as well, but with Iran and China to uh, send them oil in exchange for for weapons. So now that you don't have Russia selling gold to raise cash uh, to fund their war effort, all of a sudden we're starting to see gold act act like it should in an inflationary environment. Well, I don't think there's any question that there's been a sneaky, well, in my opinion, of a sneaky. There's been a sneaky liquidator for a few years now, and some people thought it was India. Uh, you're saying it probably was Russia. Hey. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's India because um, yeah, India is one of the cool things about India. You know, and and I, I've always wished they would, you know, choose a side, but they don't choose a side. And where they are geographically, they can kind of, you know, be nice to Russia and be nice to us. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's. I think India's been doing fine. Um, I don't. I just. I feel like I've always felt like it was. Countries that maybe were not doing particularly well during during the 2020 thing, during the COVID thing. Well, I uh, back back to the the China thing. I it, it's it's kind of interesting, Russell. We we talk even with the people that I have on the show who who dig out more information than God. I never even know was available. Still, we're 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 really on the cusp of trying to get real information. Even Dan Janitas has got. His nose right in this, you know, uh, fixed income world, and knows a real lot. Even he will say he doesn't really know. He know, he knows how many people 
uh, invested in dollar-denominated Chinese debt over the last decade. Even he has trouble figuring out, he knows that a lot of it is not performing. He can't get a number on it, he can't find it, doesn't know who's in trouble because of it. I mean, a lot of this stuff is really kept under wraps somehow. And I, and I, I don't know how that is. I mean, we're talking about a country with, you know, essentially billions of people that owes everybody, like you say, shuts the damn place down for two and a half years. They can't be making these payments, or if they are, they're really stretched. And, and, and nobody seems to have a, a grip on it, what the problem is, you know, who's, who, who the Fed's covering for, why, did, why they needed $400 billion in the last two weeks. Can't be one bank. Something's going on. I mean, some people seem to know what it is. Other people, and, then they, you know, they all, and the ancillary benefit to the stock market is, of course, with money coming into the system and the stock market goes up. Yeah. I mean, so, but I mean, somehow... I mean, let's put it this way: There's shit happening. <laughs> that, that, you know, I I'm not so sure. Does anybody have a, a finger on it? I, I don't know if Janet Yellen does, but I mean, it's, it, it seems to me that there's a lot of stuff circulating that we don't know about. It just seems there's got there's there's got to be a way, and and this one will occupy my mind for a good part of the day now. But there's got to be a way to figure out what's really going on economically in China. You know, and the and, and the way that that I used to do it, and you can't you can't really do this anymore, um, was you know, KFC and Pizza Hut were huge over there, and they were under the same umbrella as KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell under the Yum brands here, and you could look at their earnings reports and you could see what you know you could you could see what the same store growth or the same store contraction was in China. I mean, it was one of the few actual transparent numbers, and then they spun off the China division, so you can't really even do that now. Um, you know, during the COVID situation, there was there was a number that you could find as far as how many active cell phones there were in China, which got shut down pretty quickly. Yeah, because that was, number and that number was going down uh, it was, quickly. It was going down and, mi- and, mi- millions of. Like every couple of yeah. months during COVID. That's why people yeah. thought that they had millions and millions of deaths, which I think they actually did. Oh, I think they actually did, too. I think, I, I, I mean, the the population of India was supposed to, is supposed to officially cross over the population of China in the very near future. I think it already has. I, I actually just read something that said it was supposed to be 10 or 15 years now, but with COVID it already has. Yeah, it's all right. And, and China's got a huge demographic problem. They're... Uh, you know the they've got not enough young people to to continue the economic growth. They they've got all kinds of problems. But I, I feel like this Belt and Road thing that they did, where they really were just trying to uh, get a lot of countries in debt, you know, in debt to them. Uh, I think they're absolute now. Now they you know they kind of spit on. I'm I'm thinking of a different phrase, and I'm trying to get it out of my brain and not say it on the radio. Uh, but they've spent all the money they had uh, on this thing, and they haven't really gotten any return at all from it. They got property all over the world, and again, that's that's great and all. But um, you need, you know, if you got, you know, a great when I when I was mentioning the ten million dollar house, the reason I mentioned that is there are not a whole lot of buyers of ten million dollar houses out there. I think Ken Griffin is still looking. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought he had. I thought he had his floor of the uh, of the plaza over in New York. Well, he, he just sold one of the places here. He had a floor here somewhere that he sold. Yeah, and no, he, uh, uh, I think on top of the Hyatt. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could never get one of those yeah. places if I didn't have the whole floor. Imagine living on a floor with somebody else on the same floor. 
And then oh, a few yeah, blocks away, not. they built the yeah, other I mean, building. how could you possibly do that? Yeah. And it's, then he yeah. got two whole floors in that one. Yeah, you, could, you couldn't do, you know, like even like Outer Drive East used to be all these small little apartments, and people bought them and started. You, th- you think if he's got the whole whole floor of a hotel, he walks with, around with your money, guys, like Tony Soprano so um, in the hallway? Yeah, why not? I mean, if you, <laughs> just, I mean there, there, comes a, there comes a number which you just, I mean, I, 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 just, I just wonder, uh, Russell, with all this stuff happening, and obviously the, the amount of wealth that's shifted to the, Saudis in the last few years, from when they were they were actually hurting for a while. Remember, right. we did a show years ago about about how the uh, how everybody everybody over there is. I'll say the word term on the dole that if you're like the, the second cousin, you were getting X number per year, and if you're the first cousin, you get X of the royal family. Yeah, and uh, they get to the point where they were like, weren't they like cutting out the third cousins and said you guys were out? <laughs> it got to that point when I was down to what thirty bucks, right? Where they were, uh, yeah. They, now they they must be back somewhat in 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 in, in Flynn uh, or whatever. But it's I just I'm I'm just so curious as to what you see the numbers with these banks. You see how they had to sweeten this deal because this was the world's most unusual bank. Uh, and uh-huh. then, you see the guy testifying yesterday about how if they didn't the forty billion dollars that went out of the banks uh, the deposits in the first two hours that if they didn't put a stop to it. There was another hundred billion behind it in line to be, ta- to be taken out. That, 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 that those are the requests that were in. The guy was testifying in front of Congress. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. We were talk- talk- no, that's you know that you know the thing with that was it, it's kind of a you know a closed neighborhood that everybody you know probably had a lot more insight to the trouble than than in the neighborhood than outside the neighborhood. And yeah, I'm not overly shocked that. You know, if one guy's trying to pull his billions out, everybody else got in line as quickly as possible to do so. Did you? Uh, That's you a listen- nasty bank run, didn't it? Yeah. Were you? Uh, were you happen to listen to the first ten or fifteen minutes of the show when Kevin was on? Not the bit. No, I, I, I. Sorry, no. Well, you, you probably. I did the, I did the last half hour. That's kind. Of, well, that's but you probably, you probably have read this that one of the things in the, the bank stress tests, is they they didn't. They didn't stress test for interest rates going up, just going down. <laughs> so <laughs> why would you do that? Well, um, as, as I mentioned that, to Kevin, that, I mean, that, oh my god! Well, I'll, I'll, I, I'll, 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 I'm teaching bonds right now to the, the to, in my undergraduate class, and just the only thing that I really pray that they all go away with is higher interest rates push bond prices down. Well, as I as I mentioned to Kevin, yeah. almost tongue in cheek, but I. I well, you know what, uh, Russell? It's got to be pretty close to the truth. How can you be the same person selling bonds to people at one point two percent, which is where the thirty-year got down to? How can you be the same person selling somebody selling a bond that bond to somebody, then give them a stress test the next day, saying if it goes up to five, you're broke, you can't buy it? <laughs> how, how how could the same person do uh, both? Yeah, things? I guess that's that's part of it. <laughs> I mean, oh, how, how how could you how could you sell somebody? A billion dollars worth of bonds, and say, "Hey, you idiot! You just bought our stuff according to our stress test. If it goes up, you're broke, so we're pulling your license." How do you do that? I goodness gracious, <laughs> who knows? I mean, I mean, so is there a pl- is there a place you can find out what the stress test parameters were each time? I, around? I think if you, well, that's a car. I, well, I actually I know somebody who I. I know the guy that used to head up the stress test process. He's with a bank now. Maybe I'll ask him. I think for the for the big banks, somebody go out on a limb here. I'm going to say for the big banks 
it's all available but i think the the stress test was like the report from the bank is like thousands and thousands of pages I don't the know. fed does that they release it every year yeah they too. release them yeah they release but they, do, they do they do release what what they're looking at i'm just I, I, i'm oh, kind curi- of curious where i'm going with this is i'm kind of curious what the stress test parameters look like relative to um you know some of the things that we've dealt with in the past couple I mean, of whether, years. Whether what you and I might... You know, with down. the COVID thing and with uh, higher interest, that's what I'm... I'm curious if, if they've even come close to uh, some of the things that have happened. That's what I mean. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, dude, one so just like out of the year, with Greg... Stress tests? Yeah, I mean, I, I, what Greg's talking about, I think you can get the report. I don't know that you can get the the, 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 the questions names. and why. I mean, may, maybe you can. I but let's put it this way, Russell. It would not be the same test that you and I came up with because you know what the Fed, and this is a, a shout-out and a bow here. You don't have to agree with me. I think they are constantly fighting the last the last crisis. No, that's that's kind of where I was going with. That's that's what I, that, that's really what I was, you know, going where I was kind of leading up to with respect to um, what the parameters are for each of the, you know, each of the stress tests. Now they're split into four categories. It looks like the first category is the government, uh, SIBs, which are the important ones. And then it goes all the way down to category four, which is, uh, citizens is one of the category four. How about that? Really? Citizens financial group is a category four. Yeah. Oh, so you're talking about the the, the different ones, but it, I'm looking at 2022. Okay, but you're talking about who who gets stress tested. It looks like I don't know about 50 of them. Here. But we don't. But we don't know the list of 50 questions they're supposed to answer. There's a methodology section. All right, I mean, it's probably there someplace Ooh. if you want to dig through there. That's that's, that's when the academics get all excited. What methodology, uh, Russell? What yeah. is the connection? I mean, a lot of times when things seem economically awry, which I'll I'll, I'll say things sort of are right now. Uh, academia usually comes up with almost, I won't say usual, sometimes has come up with somewhat of a united front to change policy. I mean, they did in the early 70s when, essentially when the CBOE was created, right? Said there's not going to be another mm-hmm. New York Stock Exchange. It's going to be competitive. It's not going to be specialist. It's going to be that stuff. Uh, in the same era, they deregulated rail, deregulated airlines. Dere- I mean, it was, there was a... There was a an oh. economic marriage in, in thought between a lot of your big economic schools, not just the big ones, uh, but people writing stuff and people in Congress kind of getting on board. And there was there was somewhat of a, a a mental, I'll say, marriage, or at least where those two things came together. Is that even possible with this kind of a Congress now where if one guy says, you know, it's daylight out, the other guy's got to immediately say it's nighttime? I mean, I don't see any of that happening. Do you? I mean... I mean, you're, you're no. Not, I mean, I get your guys. You know, it, it it's gonna take. I, I just it, this just is awful, but it, it it's gonna take a nine eleven type thing to get everybody kind of on the same page again. And I'm not saying you know like giant loss of life, but just some sort of some sort of tragic event that everybody can you know circle around. Like right? I have to... it, 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 as opposed, to that, I mean, it's gonna take. It's going to take something to push us all together and get us unified, and it seems to be coming because all the bad actors around the world are seem to be teaming up together and thinking that we're on our last legs here. Uh, but every time they do that, you know, we we get pissed off and and get ourselves together, get our house in order, and start to push back, and that is probably what will happen once again. 
Um, I you, you can't you can't tell me that you know Putin really expected as strong a response as he's gotten out of the West when he did what he did in Ukraine. No, he probably didn't. They they they, they look at us. I you know they they look at us and they 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 think we're a bunch of wusses. You know we're all we're all worried about you know a lot of woke type stuff, which I think there is a place for. You know, I do think that you know, there's no reason that people should be ugly toward other people just because of the lifestyle they choose and things like that. But on the other side of it, I don't think we should be bending over backwards for a lot of the things that we are right now. And I think it makes us a laughing stock at other parts of the world. Well, finding a middle ground is always difficult. I, it is. It is. I think that uh, Putin's... It's, uh, even, it's even worse when both sides are even farther apart. Well, when you when you do the... Uh, what, what Putin has done there... You know, and I, this is just you know an opinion from my own. I think his intention was it was going to take him six to eight weeks, and, yeah. and by the time he was done, even if people were outraged, outraged, it was done. You know, it's the yeah. old, uh, but I'm, I'm better to ask for uh, forgiveness than permission, right? Um, yeah. But of the fact but that I he got, got, but now that he managed to get get all stalled up, and all the pictures came out of all these people getting killed and all the other kind of stuff, now everybody is. Totally outraged, and he's got something on his hands that he probably never expected. Mm-hmm. But you know, but he's still there. He did. He still s- sort of started it. It just, you know, there's a a paper somewhere in, in the office. I have it in my files, even though it's more cleaned up than the last time you saw it, Russell. Uh, I was going to say you have files. I thought you had stacks. Well, you know what? Now that I, I have made them <laughs> into files, I can't find anything. When I were stacks, I knew right. I yeah, no, I know. Um, anyway, there was a there was an article, a white paper by. Uh, um, one of the, one of them, Tricky Dick, Dick Nixon had two daughters. One married David Eisenhower, right, and the other married mm-hmm. some other dude. He was, you know, he's a highbrow, but he was, he's in some kind of think tank. Um, if I if I name the name, you probably know what I was talking about, because Russell uh, knows some of these guys. Uh, and he, his his article or his his paper was on why why all of a sudden can't we can't we stop the bickering and 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 uh, agree on something. And he says we won't. That won't happen until you hit bottom, and we haven't hit bottom yet. Yeah. Prob- the problem is, when you hit bottom, it's usually so bad that it's not always for sure you're going to come off the bottom, right? I mean, if you're not going to wake up until until somebody knocks you on your ass, he might hit you so hard that you can't get up. You know, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, and I think he's probably right, but I don't know what you know. We're, we're I think we're we're sort of at economically. I think we're at that spot. I mean, I, I think with this, the last few years, the more we've talked about, you know, people in the show, I, I can't get over. I mean, boy, I would never want to go on national TV, Russell, because I, I, you know, and I've learned, I've learned so much from you guys. But it's actually hardened my opinions. I mean, these last few years, you look what you've done to people. I mean, by putting this money in the system, uh-huh. you've you've upped the inflation. Anybody who had a million dollars in the bank now is the equivalent of six fifty. Which you've, you've you've ripped the wealth wealth out of that person, the people in the market, if they were in the first year are okay. The last two years we haven't gone anywhere, so I mean I, not really. No. I, I, I don't know. And you still have the inflation kind of percolating a little bit. And the Fed just told you in the last two weeks that if it comes down to inflation or saving rich people, they're going to save rich people and the hell with the inflation because the rich people don't seem to care about inflation as well as other people. I mean I, mm-hmm. I mean that, that's that to me it, that it is an awful treatise, and yet I don't I don't see any. I just don't see anywhere where I'm wrong there. No, no, it's uh, you know the 
things don't. I mean, we we tend to focus on the the non-social part of things and and the business side of things, which don't look don't look good. But that goes ahead. I mean, what what are we doing well right now as a country? Well, I, I know that people aren't I mean, making. Yeah. Are are we? We're we're not really the the big leadership in helping Ukraine. I think Germany has has really. They, yeah. Germany has um, has been the one that have stepped up over and over again and kind of embarrassed us into stepping up as well. Well, we and were we were leading the that, pack, according to Lou. We were yeah. leading the pack early, and then uh, and, and we we kept jabbing at the European people. Hey, you better do something, do something. Well, over a period of time, they did, and now mm-hmm. the European uh, contribution is bigger than ours, and Germany is the biggest one over there. I mean, in terms of actual. Uh, risk in terms of taking ref- refugees and, and letting shipments of stuff land there and go across the border, I'd say the biggest risk being taken is by Poland. Oh, yeah. I mean, by far, in terms of, I mean, if, if, if Russia's going to get pissed off at the next country, it's probably going to be them because of all the help there. Yeah, and, you know, and they border Ukraine and they border Belarus, which yeah. is basically a... Uh, which is basically just an extension. It, Belarus is what what Russia wants. They want about twenty of those around them. <laughs> yeah, they basically just do what they say, and that, you know, that's just not the way of the world anymore. No, I mean, uh, and you know, when, when Russia, I use the term, gave these places up, I didn't exactly give them up, but I mean, I don't really recall the actual. I mean, I know they ran out of money, uh, and we, you know, with their defense budget, and you know, mm-hmm. the places all fell apart, but some. Have become more independent than others, right? I mean, Belarus is a little less yeah. independent than, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't begin to give you a litany. Lou probably could of the, you know, Kirkmenistan and all the rest of those places. I, I have no idea where they lean. Do you? I mean, it's it's a, you need to be somebody in. I mean, I'll have to ask Lou tomorrow, but he probably can rattle it off. But there, you know, there. I was watching. I, I, you know, this is the exciting stuff I do when I'm down here in Indiana by myself. But I watched a whole thing about uh, the demographics of Russia and how diverse it is and how, you know. The people in in you know just because of the size the absolute size of it, uh, the people in the south they're much more like you know some of the Arab countries. The people in the west are a lot more like Asian countries. There's not like this you know Russian national or or the the kind of people that you would pick up that you would picture as Russians um, are not you know what every Russian looks like for damn sure. There's, a, there's how many languages? And they have completely different attitudes about everything. Isn't there and like they, 100 languages? You know, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's incredible. That there's, there's 193 ethnicities living in Russia. That's even now after it's that's smaller a, that's, than... Yeah, no, that's the number that I... Yeah. Uh, in, in current Russia, there's 193 of them um, of different types of ethnicities living in Russia. So that's a number I... As long as you can believe whatever, you know, YouTube dude made up that that video, but it seemed pretty legit, you know. Well, did so, you see? Did yeah, it's a very, 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 very mixed culture. Did you and ever? Uh, what, one of the one of the things that they're doing is when they call up conscripts and throw them into the fight, they're actually yanking them from from you know the outlier places. Yeah, yeah, prisons and, yeah. and, and weirdo. Do you ever read the? Uh, do you ever see that guy Jimmy? What the hell is his name? Jimmy, uh, some investment biker. He wrote the book. Oh yeah, Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers. Uh, yeah, ran ran off with his. You know, I, I love the guy, but you just have to turn your nose up with this one. Uh, you know, basically ran off with one of his buddy's daughters. She was a student of his. Yeah, and she was like a head taller. <laughs> I, yeah, but the, I it just yeah yeah I I you know what I have students. Yeah. yeah. 
Nah. And uh, I can't yeah, see. You I think can't they, see. What you do you think run- they talked about? I can't see you running off with a a nineteen year old volleyball player a head taller than you. Oh my goodness gracious! No. Plus they got they went around. I you know I, I can barely walk half a mile right now. <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm yeah. Well after your well you know the the, the weird part is I mean, uh, actually a couple of the stories he told were very informative. I'll mention it after oh, the yeah, break. Oh yeah, no, it's a great book. You know, in fact, I ought to um ought to get the dust off of that one and use some of the examples because right? I that's the kind of stuff the undergraduate students would get all fired up about. Well, here, but he's some a, of the stories he tells. Well, he's an odd duck, and it. First thing he did mm-hmm. was talk about how BMW makes the best motorcycle in the world, right? So the idea was he was going to go around the world on a motorcycle with, with this girl. So he goes out and buys yeah. himself a new one and gives her the old one. <laughs> Wait a minute. If, if you're bringing her with and you you deserve a new one, why doesn't she get a new one? But she didn't get the new one. Hers kept conking out. But anyway, real, real quick, we got to the break. We, uh, he, he was in Russia... Every, everybody at least have heard, I assume, of the Trans-Siberian Railroad, which goes all the uh-huh. way across. And he goes, there's there's towns there that are not even connected by a road. He had to pay the railroad uh-huh. to be able to put the bikes on a flat car, and they camped out on the flat cars that they rolled along. Because otherwise, you can't get... Is there, is there only two towns in the No, they're not roads. And, that, and that's one of the logistical problems with the country of Russia. Um, you've got if, if you want something to get moved around... You got to use rail. Yeah, and I mean, and that is the choice. And I know we got to go on break, but go. it's a hell of a lot easier to stop people shipping stuff by rail than you know in a truck. Yep. SP futures up thirty-one. Nasdaq futures up one hundred four. Lululemon up fifty-two, sixteen percent. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Stocks and jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 31. His Futures up 103. We are we're to the moon here. We're down up 218. We were down mostly yesterday and it came back and we were down just a little bit on the close, but. It was obvious that we were heading uh, north, then the Lululemon numbers came out, and I guess if uh, we go the way our sweatpants go or something, it's up 51 bucks, 16%. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the, uh, where are we in Europe? We're up, we're up over here, DAX up 131, that's 0.9%. We've got the FTSE up 65.9%, Kekron up 88, 1.25%, so Kekron's leading the charge there. In Asia, Nikkei up 365, 1.3%. Hang Seng up 407, back over 20,000. 20,192 is that thing is up, down, up, down. Probably, probably fun to cha- trade if you were on the right sign line, the sign wave. If you weren't, not so good. Fibonacci? Uh, just, you know, uh, every every morning it's like, uh, well, after break, I'll tell you a story about, about pork bellies back when you were young or younger. Shanghai down five, uh, call that flat. Uh, yesterday, uh, Dow was down 37, SP down six, NASDAQ down 52. Uh, bonds, very little movement, up two basis points here, 3.58 on the 10-year rate. Uh, the Bund up four, 2.32. Japan, eh, I'll say up 1.32, almost flat. Oil, continuing its rally up 90 cents, 74.10. That's $6 now in mm, 10 days, maybe. Uh, Brent up 80 cents, 79.45. Natural gas down 3 cents, 2 bucks. Arbob unchanged at 271. We've got gold down 560, a big day yesterday, the upside, 1984. Still, the question is, is it going to go through 2000 or not? Silver down 7 cents, 23.34. Copper up 3 cents, 412. We've got Bitcoin up 1,021 now, 28,350 as that continues its rally. Uh, and then the US dollar, we have the, uh, it's pretty much flat. Euros at 108 and the British pound 123, I'd say flat, flat. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. 737. March 29th. Weather today, 50 degrees in Chicago, mostly cloudy, high of 53. Some possible rain after about 4.30 central. Phoenix weather is 54 with a high of 80. Clear skies and about a 4 mile per hour breeze. NBA, both the Suns and Bulls were off. NHL, Blackhawks lost at home to the Stars, 1-4. In Arizona, White Sox lost to the Cubs in Mesa, and that was 5-8. And the Diamondbacks beat the Guardians 3-1. Traffic, we've got inbound Kennedy from O'Hare, I-290, it's 32 minutes. Inbound Kennedy, uh, Montrose to Ohio is about 18. Inbound Edens from Dempster to Interchange is 26. Outbound Edens from I-290 to Deerfield Road, about 28 minutes. Let's see, I-55, Stevenson, inbound from to the Dan Ryan is 26 minutes. Outbound Stevenson to 355 is about 29 minutes. 
And finally, Lakeshore Drive, inbound North uh, Lakeshore Drive, eight minutes, clear as well. And outbound um, all the way down to Jackson to 55th, it's about nine minutes. Clear on that. Back to you, Chief. All right, uh, Russell, hey, uh, let's, um, for, for a minute, we, I don't think you and I have uh, um, talked about this too much, but we clearly have a uh, uh, Washington that is looking to increase revenue, read, raise taxes, right? And I'm not so sure the, uh, because we have this debt ceiling thing coming up right now, which, again, seems to give the, the, other, the other side, whoever it is, a second shot at the apple, because obviously the, the laws have passed that, uh, you know, that, that allow the deficit to continue to grow. And, uh, but, you know, do you know anything about, Carl mentions that uh, when, the, when the Office of the Management and Budget uh, comes up with their estimates of what the future deficits are going to be, that by law they have to assume that, that uh, say, there's a, you know, there's, a, there's a temporary spending plan for the next 10 years and it's supposed to come off the books. That by law, they have to count it as actually coming off the books when none of them ever do. They just get extended. I mean, have you ever heard of something like that? I'm sure he's right, but it's, it, it wouldn't surprise me that the estimates are, are always way different than the outcome. Is, is that why, you think? I, I, if that's, and I could, I could totally see that. And, you know, that's a way to be kind of sneaky about, um, you know, putting in a program and saying it's a 10-year program and knowing that it's going to automatically get renewed, but um, not having it count against uh, how much trouble we're in as far as accumulating debt. Uh, I could totally see that. I don't know that, but um, I wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't doubt it in the least. You know, um, I think you know, the the debts of and just as another kind of thing that doesn't show up on you know the the federal government's balance sheet uh all that mortgage underwriting that all the uh you know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all those guys do uh that doesn't show up either even though it's implicitly backed by the overall government if you want to add that debt into everything uh your head starts to spin so there are all kinds of tricks like that yeah it's a uh, and i and i i mean i think at at some point if you know if anybody we knew ever got in power someday i think you know we would like to call uh, a little meeting at camp david where they supposedly have like four or five of the best pool tables in the world there which would be kind of cool because for camp david yeah wow uh, they have a bunch in the white house too hmm. although i'd be i'd be uh, reluctant what? to play there after the story about clinton and uh, monica Oh, good God! Yeah, and I'd have to I'd have to wonder which table that was, and not want to use that one. Anyway, that's another story. But uh, the yeah. I, I heard something the other day. And they were actually were talking something of sense on CNBC one day, and they were talking about these tax proposals. And and, it, and as, as you know, you can be you know, upper crust and say no man can do one thing, or you can be blue collar and say you press the silly putty here, it pops out over here, right? But whatever you do has a because we were talking earlier about in in the first inflation go around, you know, grand, grand, Grandma Rhodes could go down to the bank and get fifteen percent and keep ahead of the inflation. Where now she can't, you can't, nobody can, right? You you, yeah. you had to put your money in stocks or buildings or if you if you could, if you did, and if you put it in the bank, you just lost value on your on your savings. If you didn't, if you bought stocks, I'm going to say you're probably at least even with the game, maybe maybe ahead of it. Who knows? But but close to it. 
So now Steve Leisman, these guys on CNBC, were talking about how there's a huge push in Washington now that, oh, okay, think, think through this a little bit more, which I'm trying to get everybody to do. When Russell's grandma plunked the money in the bank in her 100 grand and she made 15 grand, right, where the interest rate was 15%, guess what? Grandma had to put the 15 grand on her, on her tax return and she had to pay whatever, some percentage of it, correct? Mm-hmm. So she had to pay in. But this time, if you didn't do that, well, if you just put it in a bank and you got nothing, guess what? You don't pay tax on nothing and you got nothing. You should pay almost a negative tax on the fact that your money's worth less, but then let's not go there. But now, if you did put your money in Apple, say, or, or some of the stocks, not one of the stocks that went under, but some of the stocks that are there, all of a sudden now you have this gain that you haven't realized, and, 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 and the rest of the world, unlike market makers, doesn't pay taxes on mark-to-market. They pay, only pay tax on completed sales. Well, now you've got this huge asset bubble where you've actually taken the top 1% and made it even more 1%, but that's, again, another story. But the, but the bottom line is, they're not paying any taxes yet. And oh, by the way, yeah. and oh, by the way, if they croak, and if, and if they give the tax, the, those shares that are kid, you're never going to get any as the government, because now they have a step-up basis, right? Which, of course, you can't, you can't change, because uh, you know, the, the, those people have a a stranglehold and, and, and are giving the money to the crooks in Congress, and they, they can't change the law. So now here you are, stuck. So these guys on CNBC were talking about how it's very obvious to everybody now that you can't take any more out of people's income. It's now you've got to go to their, quote, wealth, which is exactly, which is exactly what the government did. They pumped up the wealth, but now they can't get their share, and they're all pissed off and looking for a way. Uh, the... I don't know if you first heard it explained that way, Russell, but what do you think of that? About the uh, you, you, you lost me on a couple of descriptions there. What I'm saying is is what happens is now <laughs> now, well, now the the only place where you can really go get more tax money is on unrealized uh-huh. gains in stocks and buildings that the government is that scares that, that scares the absolute crap out of me. Yeah, me too. But I mean, it does. And and I te- and I, I I mean I I one of the things I teach uh, one of the things we do is we break out. Uh, you know, capital gains versus dividend income, and I emphasize with students that um, that you know the, the reason that we want to divide the two out is not just to make things more difficult, uh, but really because you pay ta- different taxes on the two different numbers, and you don't pay the capital gains until you actually realize them or never. And then I will, and I will say, for now, and I always, and I tell you know I, I I don't I try to stay apolitical in the classroom. I said, but. One of the tax proposals that comes up periodically is um, taxing unrealized, you know, capital gains. And I said, in which, you know, I, I understand trying to tax increases in wealth. I said, but if they're going to do that, the, the, just imagine what the stock market's going to do. December's going to be a fun month where people, you know, start having to sell certain stocks to raise cash to, to you know, that they know they're going to have to pay taxes on. Or I guess maybe that would actually probably start to bleed over into January, February, March as well. Well, why? But I guess from uh, the, from, yeah. from that point of view, I mean, I mean, to mm-hmm. my, I, I honestly believe. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I unfortunately believe it. Is the, is the government somebody? I'm not going to say the government because they seem dysfunctional. But somewhere in there, there's a man or a woman behind the curtain that is driving this bus. I don't know who the hell it is. I don't think it's Biden. I sure don't think it was Trump. But it, I mean, I it, it's it's somebody. And clearly, we're, mm-hmm. we're driving the wealth to the top 1%. And we're, I mean, now the rest of the world's sitting there going, 
wait a minute, I'm not going to accuse you of being a one percenter, but if if you put, you know, three hundred grand ten years ago into the stock market, be it a, 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 a spider or a cues, or maybe you just bought Apple or someplace, hoping to buy one that went down. There's been plenty of those, but theoretically, uh, you live to be a hundred, hundred and twenty, I hope. You're still, your mm-hmm. two lovely daughters are going to get that stock with a stepped-up basis. Nobody's ever going to pay. Yeah. Where, where if you if you put your money There's in... A, and so there, there probably should be some sort of happy medium in there. But, you know, the second that you... The second you make one rule, the, the, the smart trust lawyers are going to find another way around it. You know, like a certain dollar amount that you can gift tax-free each year and, and different things like that. Yeah, it'll that. be something. Because, I mean, we have to protect yeah. the people that are paying us to go to get into office, right? I mean, I mean we, we, yeah. we've become an amazing... I didn't see any of this stuff to this magnitude in the 60s and 70s because you, did, you didn't have this. You didn't have... Uh, I mean, the guy at Pullman made two hundred fifty grand a year, the chairman, and you could make twenty grand a year working on, on, the, line, on the assembly line. And by the mm-hmm. way, some of the people, you know, uh, the vice president of uh, the controller probably made fifty. You know, so I mean, it, you know, there wasn't this. But now, what is what is wrong with just? I mean, I'm looking at these uh, at the tax uh, thing, the tax thing here, and uh, if you look at uh, the total revenue, U.S. federal tax revenue, it's four point six trillion dollars. All right, and the uh, mm-hmm. state revenue is two point two, but the federal tax revenue, it's Income tax is two point six, so it's a little over half. Payroll tax is one point five, so it's it's quite there. But corporate tax revenue is only four forty, which is not even ten percent. Uh, so a bit, a bit mind boggling, isn't it? Yes. So what what would be wrong? But, but they're also but they're also paying the payroll tax part of it, are they not? Yeah. No. Well, they're paying part of the payroll tax. They don't. They yeah. just pay. So some of that's coming out of corporate, and then. And then, and this is this is where I differ on you with you on this one. Um, you know, a big portion of that of, of those income taxes are coming from um, people that work for those corporations. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, you do. I'll, you, you, you don't want to make it. You don't want to make it too hard on them because you want people working as well. So well, but the idea I, that that you're that as we see these companies get bigger and bigger, they'll only be paying nine percent of the tax seems a little light to me. Now, w- yeah. w- what I would do, and again, I, I would get nothing but, and I don't, I don't, I honestly don't see any economic argument against what I'm about to say, is since we have uh, a Supreme Court that says corp- corporations essentially are people, which I don't agree with, by the way, uh, in terms of being able to give you know uh, politicians money and stuff, um, I would just raise the corporate tax to whatever the individual tax is, and say uh, dividends are tax deductible. So you only pay once instead of twice. Uh, but, that 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 would be wonderful. Why? But that would never that, nev- would, be, uh, that uh, would never get anywhere. Why? Why? I know. Oh, uh, because it would be uh, you know helping out all the billionaires. Well, no one. I know it wouldn't, but that's how they would fight with it. <laughs> that's that's the argument. But if you raise the the rate from, I mean, why why should a corporation or pay less than a person if it's a person? If you, I, if you if you flow I it through, can't, dis- can't disagree with that one. I mean, why? I, I'm, I'm sort of curious. Is I, the reason why I I don't think you were there, but you were. I was I was still on the board of the CBO, um, mm-hmm. and uh, remember how we used to have the breakfast with the people that came in, uh, the politicians and oh, so yeah. forth. 
Yeah, I used to. I used to be the one that would walk them around. Okay, but were you ever? Uh, yeah. I think you came after Dan Rostenkowski was out, if I if I recall. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember when that happened. So so Danny comes uh, in one morning. He was a Chicago guy. He was head of the Ways and Means Committee, and he yeah. was he was one of the first guys to have his own pack. But nobody ever ran against him, so he didn't need it. He used it to help other people around the rest of the country. That he and then he they basically owed him a favor. It's talk about the Chicago. Yeah. Area. But yeah. he was in there one morning, and somebody asked him. One of the members said, "You know, uh, Chairman Rasinkowski, what what is what is the story with this capital gains tax? It seems kind of screwed up." <laughs> and and Rasinkowski goes, I, "I'm with you, kid." He was a young guy, and he goes, yeah. uh, "Danny's this big, big kind of." Big, huge, mean kind of Polish guy, uh, but you know, Danny. You didn't give Danny any crap. I mean, uh, I mean he walked. Oh, his, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, he walked his dog every morning by himself. I don't, I don't know if he was armed, but he didn't have a bodyguard, nothing. But he, uh, he said, you know, one of the weirdest things. He goes, it seems to me like the capital gains tax should be the same as any other tax. He goes, we should just index it. He goes, if if we have a bunch of inflation during a ten-year period. And you bought a house for twenty, and you sold it for forty. But the inflation over that ten-year period is a hundred percent. You didn't make any money. Why should you pay? You didn't anything? make any. You didn't. You didn't make any real money. Yeah. He's, he goes you plus. Wanna, we're gonna we're gonna have a real tax rate as yeah. opposed to a nominal tax. Plus, rate. he said if you bought it last year, and all of a sudden there's some big run-up in, in in housing prices, so you bought it for a hundred, and twelve months in a day, you sold it for two hundred. Why should you get this big break when, when you know, when uh, when when it's a it's a one year deal? I mean, you, you know, granted, if the inflation was six percent, you should and you made a hundred, you should pay tax on ninety four. He goes, this is so simple to me. I don't I don't get why he goes every time I bring it up, I can't I can't get one vote other than mine. He says, I, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there. I, I don't I had, I have no idea why either. Do you? I mean, why not just make it simple? Index the damn thing. Um, again, the, the first thing, the first thing that, that when you start uh, trying to mess around with investment taxes, you're, it, it, it's in, in, you're going to change anything. I don't even care if it makes it more fair or even makes guys pay more. It, it just gets taken as um, you know trying to do favors for all of your donors, which they are doing. So they have to find a way to sneak it in there. And I don't think uh, they just haven't come up with a clever enough way to sneak it in there. Well, if you didn't have, I mean, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Well, if you didn't uh, have double taxation of dividends, you wouldn't have a guy like Warren Buffett sitting on a bazillion dollars because he's always got an excuse to not give it out. Exactly. Well, what does no, exactly? And and you know, he's a little bit of an unusual situation because um, one of the reasons he's sitting on a billion, you know, a lot of money right now is as to have the ability to to spend it very quickly without having to go out and raise it. He. And he raised it when interest rates were really, really low. But he's never paid a dividend, so, ever. I don't. Yeah, they they bought shares back. Okay, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, but it's uh, one way to go about um, about um, returning funds to shareholders. Why? 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 why do, we don't have much time. What, explain to me, Professor. Why do people think that? I, I find him absolutely. Why do people think what? That, that, that buying shares back returns. You're giving money to a guy who doesn't want to be a shareholder anymore. Yeah, but it's uh, lowering the number of shares outstanding relative to the market cap and helping boost the stock price. They usually tend for the, to. For the, for the current holders. I know, I'm, ju- I'm just saying, I, I, I 
the whole idea that didn't ten years ago that was illegal to do what to buy your own to shares buy back. shares back yeah oh no I think company's so been buy, doing buyback no the company's been doing buybacks for a lot longer than ten ten years uh Greg get on the get on the hunt buddy I'm gonna say maybe fifteen <laughs> years but it's not it's been relatively recent. Why, why, the whole idea, why can't we just declare a dividend because of the double taxation? I mean, I mean, why, why, the idea of you're going to give your people, your executives, and your people on the board... 1982, guys. 1982. The rule is 10B-18. So it's, it was part of the Tax Act of 82, which... Uh, God, That's 41 years. All right. It seems I was on the. I was <laughs> no, I, and the re, and the reason I, I kind of looked up my. I, you can say my career started in '91, right. and I felt like buyback. I felt like buybacks had always been in. Um, you know, well, they have, and you're always been a thing. Well, yeah. uh, but I guess what, what I'm saying is, it's the, the idea, the reason why you don't pay dividends is because all your bleeps on the top have stock options. Yeah. Because I mean, if you walked in when everybody's got stock options and you say we should declare a big dividend. I mean, it just you, you just like dropped a stink bomb in that room, basically, right? Yeah. But I no, I, absolutely. And uh, and I, but the the, I, the but you also have issues like Elon Musk and who who's the guy? Yeah, it wasn't squared. It was one of those kind of firms that came out in the last ten years, and the the stock ran way up, and the, and they had some kind of a deal where the the chairman had to take his stock options. So the guy ended up having to take a like a billion one he sold his stock that he made that he he's up a billion one on his stock options because he had to sell it the company had never made a dime and none of the other shareholders ever got a nickel that had gotten a nickel and the guy's up a billion one i i just i i my blue collar mentality tells me that's a travesty russell you know, it is a travesty how do i do it yeah really how do we do that I'm joking. I'm, you know, and, and actually, part of me is a little serious. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to cash in. Oh, me too. Um, what am I going to cash with, in? With one of the daughters I have, I'm going to tell you that I think I am solely responsible for Lululemon's good numbers. <laughs> oh, I, I like the one where they had the stuff that, you, that uh, they, they had to recall all the stuff you could see through. And then they were, mm-hmm. then they were, they were going for like twice the price on eBay because everybody wanted them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, whatever. I would say I, I I came across a pair of those once at a yoga class. I would we'll just leave it at wearing that. them or were you wearing them? Observing them. I was not wearing them. So you were observing no. them or they were ne- they were next to me and I was trying to look everywhere but next to me. I would so, say that but if it I, was difficult not to you know to look at the butt. As much as I don't mind casting a, a glance at the, the the female form, I would say if I was in a yoga class. I would be mm-hmm. so I would be so over my head in anything they did. I wouldn't be looking anywhere. I can't well, even when, I, when I was into it, I would I would show up early and I'd always try to get in one of the front corners so that there was nobody in front of me. Ah, I I, I truly would because I I just I, I don't want to be distracted. Well, when the East Bank Club when I used to be a member, they had this huge room. Oh my god! And finally, they put yeah. all these stairmasters and all the stuff in the room with these big all these big TVs, and you could. You could kick on your stairs a long time ago. You could kick on your stairmaster, whichever TV you want to listen to, it as a ball game or whatever. Tell me, tell me anybody who didn't walk around and find the three most attractive people and, and get on the stairmaster right behind them. Um, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of people that have belonged to East Bank, and and I I could probably give you a list. There was a they, they were aggressive. <laughs> over there. That place was aggressive. I used to go on a 
mean, I would, oh, yeah. Audrey and I were going out, and I'd go there to work out before I'd head south. And then on Saturday night at like 5.30, you'd be on one machine by yourself, and all of a sudden these keys would drop next to you, and there's somebody on the machine. It was like their last last chance of a Saturday night date, and I was it. And I, I never, and I never, I never bit. I just, I just went south. I never, I'm like, I, I don't need this. <laughs> but it was, it was quite the, quite the show. But uh, what a great oh, club. Oh yeah. But I, I was oh, yeah. a member when you could pull up in front, throw your quarters in, and for like three quarters, that, that's what it cost you to park. How long ago was that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, this big push into the into the uh, money into the system. How long is the market going to rally because of it? Uh, it feels like we're rolling over for the near term. Well, uh, I think we're going to kind of hover around until we get next. Uh, until we get the employment number next Friday, right? Yeah. I think I think I think we're on partial hold to that, and then it'll be earnings as well, and that'll give us some direction for the next few months. Uh, I, yeah, I, I hate when, and, and I know this from from lecturing at uh, at, at different journalism classes. Uh, the journalism folks always have to come up with a reason for what's going to happen with the markets, and, and I kind of just did that. But um, they, we're, we're, we're kind of in a, a, a void of information for a little while. So Well, you're probably, well you got some PC probably, numbers probably coming just out. Flip, just flip, flip-flop around, but it looks like we're having difficulty getting through current levels. Uh, we got so. a PC number coming out Friday, which the number the number from nowhere. Which is, which is the Fed's most watched inflation indicator. Which you can't find any detail That's, on. I know that's uh, I actually I um, I'm I'm teaching macro stuff next week and I'm looking forward to breaking out the CPI breakdowns and and if informing you, the kids. Well, if ever you can figure out a way to break down the PC, I'd sure like to see it. But I don't think there is. Okay, I'll I'll um I'll try to get one of my kids to go work there. That's oh, usually how I end up finding. Well, then they have him steal stuff out and then he gets in jail. And they, well, no, then I take him to lunch and I I pick their brains. All right, all right, bud. Take care of yourself. Um, SPV is up thirty four. Nasdaq is up one twenty three. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.